we're going to be doing something kind of different. And by kind of different, I mean instead of talking about one movie, we're going to talk about two movies. Two movies that are kind of the same movie. They have a similar hook. And those two movies are Groundhog Day and Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. We're doing these two movies today because they both have a very similar concept, and that is the repetition of a single day. In Groundhog Day, it's a single day. It's Groundhog Day. And in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, I think it's two days, but it's a closed loop of time. In both of these movies, a protagonist is given a start point of a time loop and then lives their life all the way through the loop until the end, and then their consciousness is transported back through time to the beginning of the loop, and they live it over and over and over and over again. In Groundhog Day, Bill Murray lives it from 6 a.m. on Groundhog Day to 6 a.m. on February 3rd, and in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise resets the day anytime he dies. He goes back to the beginning of a large battle with a bunch of aliens who can also time travel? Yeah, they do a thing where it's kind of like a pastiche of video game tropes where when you die, you respawn and you start the battle over. And so through trial and error, you figure out how to fight like a warrior well. So the first thing that these two movies do really well in their portrayal of a closed loop of time is signposting. There's a lot of specific events and objects that you can use to figure out what time in the day is happening. In Groundhog Day, it's waking up to I Got You Babe by Sonny and Cher, and then meeting that guy in the stairwell, and then him meeting Ned Ryerson later in the day. And every time he goes through Groundhog Day, you know what time it is. It's easier to understand that this is a repeated series of timelines because you've seen this a few times. By contrast, in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, the signposts are waking up uh, on the the army base where Tom Cruise wakes up. I'm sure Tom Cruise's character has a name. I'm just going to call him Tom Cruise, though. When Tom Cruise wakes up at the army base, when Bill Paxton comes and picks him up and gives him a speech about men are forged in the crucible of glorious combat, when he goes to meet his platoon mates in their barracks, there's an exchange that happens where they're playing cards and they get yelled at by Bill Paxton. There's a scene right before the big battle with the aliens where they're on the carrier ship about to be dropped in, and those scenes always happen in every iteration of the loop, and they just kind of let you know where they are. Don't forget the one guy who gets crushed by a ship who gets Gary trooped. There's a couple of times where that guy doesn't die. Yeah, but that's always because Tom Cruise pushes him out of the way, because he knows it will happen. That's another thing we want to talk about is information. Knowing things are going to happen, how prophecy, how foreknowledge is just as important as and, and a physical object or a physical person traveling back in time, information is exactly as game-changing. Yeah, you can you can watch these two movies, Groundhog Day and Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, as sort of prophetic dreams. You can think of this as not just one day being repeated over and over, but instead Tom Cruise and Bill Murray having a prophetic dream of having lived that day before previously. Yeah, it's funny that in these movies, rather than in the other movies we've talked about, Primer, Predestination, Bill and Ted, no actual object travels in time. Their bodies don't travel in time. In the end of the Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow loop, Tom Cruise's body is dead. At the end of Bill Murray's Groundhog Day loop, he's wherever he is at, at 6 a.m. It's not that either of them transport back in the same place to earlier that day, it's that their consciousness travels back to where their body was at the beginning of the day. Right. That's uh, They use that kind of time travel in a couple places, mostly here and 
Lost. That's not the only kind of time travel they use in Lost. They use like two or three different kinds of time travel. Lost has messy time travel. Yeah, but if we ever do a second season of this, I could just talk about Lost for hours. I won't because we're talking about different movies. And this is like a 15-minute show. Oh my god, not a six-season long show where the last three... It's okay, Dan. It's okay. I'm not bitter. Back to Groundhog Day and Live, I Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. The way these movies are set up, they're good to limit the protagonist's exposure to the outside world because of what they could and could not affect. For example, in Groundhog Day, there's a blizzard and all of the long-distance phone lines would go down and they're stuck in Punxsutawney. And in Live, I Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, because of convoluted plot reasons, Tom Cruise is stuck on his military base, except for the couple times he leaves. There's one time he leaves and it ends up disastrously for everybody. So, because... Because he has a sense of humanity and guilt, he can't leave. Yeah, uh, basically, no matter what, this all has to happen. That kind of gets into uh, the poetics a little bit, where these movies have some really great verisimilitude. And by that, I mean they have a unity of time in that they take place all within a single day or a closed loop. Uh, And they have a unity of space, whereby the characters can't leave too far from the locations given. Yeah, because they only have 24 hours slash however long Tom Cruise goes until he kills himself because most of the times he he dies are, are by his own hand. Or at least is implied that way. You know, that happens in Groundhog Day, too. There's a there's a lot of suicides with time loops. Well, when you're stuck in a day over and over again, you might get a little bored. But in, in, in Groundhog Day, that's it's sad. But like in Live, I Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, they almost play it for laughs. Yeah, it's... You can get into some really dark comedy with time loops, I think. Can you get into some dark comedy with time travel, Misha? ArsParadoxica.com, ArsParadoxica on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And wherever you get your podcasts. Another thing that happens in these two movies is the slow progression of the protagonist through the shared memories. Slowly, Tom Cruise gets better and better at using his power armor that he uses to fight the aliens. He goes from a novice to an utter expert at using this machinery. Instead of having power armor, Bill Murray gets really good at ice sculpting and playing the piano and reciting French poetry. Which is the more useful skill? You decide! It's pretty sure it's ice sculpting is the most useful skill out of power armor ice sculpting reciting french and what was the third one playing piano i don't know bill murray ends up with a few skills uh but eventually because these loops go on so long bill murray has enough time to learn piano and do all these things how long is the actual loop like how long does he live that day there are a few answers to this question the An original draft of the script says that he's in the time loop for ten thousand years that's a long time Harold Ramis has stated that it's around 30 to 40 years by his best guess, and someone on the internet calculated it and came out to about 34 years. So 30 to 40 years seems about accurate. But they can't show 34 years worth of loops in the two-hour movie. They can't show how many times Tom Cruise has to live through the day in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow for forever. Um, So what these movies both do is eventually they start obscuring how many times the loop has gone through. And Groundhog Day mostly just kind of plays it off as, okay, you get the picture, let's move on. In Live, Die, Repeat, At Your Tomorrow, though, it's actually a plot point. They make a point of 
of not telling Emily Blunt, who is Tom Cruise's co-star in that movie and romantic love interest. Dan, Dan just rolled his eyes. You can't see it on the podcast. He just rolled his eyes. Emily Blunt tries to form a bond with Tom Cruise, and it turns out Tom Cruise has been through this conversation multiple times, and Emily Blunt feels very betrayed by this. And that's one point of divergence between these two movies that I do think is really interesting in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. I mean, that also happens in Groundhog Day, that he has this conversation with Andy McDowell that she's finally fallen for him, and then she realizes, wait, have you been calling my friends and finding out what I like? You've been cheating, basically, at wooing me, and she doesn't really understand what's happening because, I don't know, this is kind of a, a heady topic to explain in just a few seconds. Oh, by the way, I've been living through this day for 30 years. Well, that's true, but Angie McDowell in Groundhog Day doesn't really have a way to comprehend what that means, whereas Emily Blunt in Lived I Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow had previously had the power to reset this day over and over again. She had that power and lost it, and then Tom Cruise had it, so she kind of knows what it means. She knows more about the impact of what he's doing by concealing how many loops, because she probably did it herself to some people. Oh yeah, doesn't she mention vaguely some other person when they're going to the farmhouse? Oh yeah, she mentions that her brother was in the battle where she got the power, I think, and that she lost him over and over and over again. Yeah, and that's crushing. Well, you know what else is crushing? In Groundhog Day, the same thing happens to Bill Murray. That old man in the alleyway. Oh yeah, he dies, and there's just nothing you can do. The nurse says, it's just his time. Bill Murray says, I don't believe you. And he spends a bunch of iterations of the loop trying to save this man's life futilely. It does not work. He just ends up dying. I'd like to think that he goes home from ice sculpting lessons and then tries to save this one man from dying. That's a really serene existence. Days of ice sculpting and nights of trying to save a life. Nights of trying to save a life is the name of my unpublished Jonathan Franzen novel. Nice. So this movie is different from the other time travel movies we've done because there's no explicit time machine. There is in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow a weird bulbous nexus thing that doesn't really make any sense. It just is really window dressing for why Tom Cruise gets to relive that day every single time. And in Groundhog Day, there's a magic spell that isn't even in the movie anymore. Yeah, there's a deleted scene where, I don't know, I think he has a jilted ex-lover who curses him to repeat a day forever until true love breaks the spell, I guess. There's a reason they cut that scene from the movie. Yeah, that means in Groundhog Day, it is never truly explained why... Bill Murray is stuck in that. Every time I try to say Bill Murray, I almost say Ned Ryerson because it's the only name they repeat that many times in that movie. Without that scene, it's never really explained why Bill Murray is trapped in this day, which honestly I'm kind of okay with. Yeah, it's really unnecessary to telling that story. You know, Groundhog Day doesn't take itself too seriously, and I think that's why it succeeds. But on the other hand, Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow takes itself very seriously, and that's also why it succeeds. I don't know. I think, I think Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow has a tone of fun and carefreeness to it. Like, there's a little bit of silliness. There's the guy who goes into battle buck naked, and there's these big suits of crazy power armor, and Emily Blunt uses a sword because she's a badass. Because it's based on a Japanese novel. Having fun, as we've said before, is a big indicator of a movie's success because the thing with time travel like this, you're never going to get it 100% right, ever. It's just very difficult. Do you think every single time in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise had to do that thing 
where they're jogging and he has to stop the jog by like insulting Bill Paxton and then rolling under the truck and then grabbing onto the truck and then finding Emily Blunt and then explaining to Emily Blunt this is happening to me too and then having to go down with Robertson from Predestination. Oh my god, Robertson from Predestination's in that movie too. I almost forgot. Yeah, I remembered it as I was saying that sentence and I had to elongate it so I could mention that Robertson from Predestination is also in that movie and also explains what's going on. I'm really glad that (laughs) guy's there because without him, it would be really hard for me to tell what's happening in my favorite time travel movies. It's really good because he's also in the Night's Watch and it would be nice if he could teach Jon Snow some of these things that he doesn't know how to do. Have you been to our What Jon Snow Knows? Is it nothing? It says there's nothing here. The actor's name is Noah Taylor, and so thanks, Noah Taylor, for telling me how time travel works. I don't think we need anybody to tell us how time travel works, except for actual physicist and Shane Carruth. MJ Young. MJ Young can tell us. So what is the biggest thing that we took away from this one concept split into two movies for Ars Paradoxica? Sending information back in time is almost as valuable as being able to send things back in time. Which we do a lot. Ars Paradoxica is full of people sending tapes back in time because in the 40s you couldn't send an email. I mean, they could also send letters, but this is an audio show. It's way better if we have tapes. Anyway, they send a bunch of tapes back, and those are super useful because you don't have to deal with the paradox-inducing problems of sending yourself back in time. You just have to deal with the fact that, oh, my future self sent me some letters. That's kind of trippy. And then you get a little bit of butterfly syndrome. Not a lot, just just a little bit little bit BS. Another thing that we took away from this is, and we talked about this a little bit with Primer too, but especially in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, where you conceal how many times you've had a conversation. That's a very useful storytelling trope. It's a really good way to conceal information from characters, and that's where the juiciest stories come from. What if you're stuck in one place and nothing else mattered, I think is a line from Groundhog Day, and that's kind of what Bill Murray starts doing is he realizes that nothing matters, so he goes towards human connection, the one thing that does matter in a sea of meaninglessness that is the universe. Well, that's interesting because in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, there is a clear goal that they have. They have one thing that matters, and that's winning the war against the aliens. And it kind of skips over the existential crisis of living in the same day over and over and over, whereas Groundhog Day is explicitly about that. I'll be honest, after Tom Cruise loses his time-hopping power, I kind of tune out. It's not even because I don't care to see them win, and it's not even because those action sequences aren't fun. They are. It's just the movie's a little too long for me. Also, you're just there for the time travel. Yeah, I'm just also there for the time travel. Be real, Dan. You're always just there for the time travel. Not in all films. Groundhog Day, I will watch on my own without needing to do so for this weird exercise when nothing matters tom cruise runs away and he goes to a bar and he just gets drunk and sad and when bill murray realizes that nothing matters he can order a bunch of food he starts smoking indoors oh that's how you know it's the past Point Misha. There's a great scene where he steals a big bag of money by just sort of paying attention and watching and listening. And I think that's the real strength of information-based time travel is being able to know what is just about to happen. Yeah, that happens in Primer as well with the recordings that Aaron makes of conversations. Just just even a two-second lead on the world is immeasurably helpful. Just the ability to know what's about to happen means that you can react to it much more effectively. And much like playing a video game, the concept for which was the basis of Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, once you do something over and 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 over again, it creates a mastery loop. You gain control over your situation. You have 
gone and received the boon and then returned it to your fellow man. Yeah, and then you become the master of life and death. Yeah, in Lived I Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, he does actually know every step to take on the battlefield to get him to the back of the battlefield and survive. In Groundhog Day, he, I don't know, becomes a decent person. He becomes a decent person and really good ice sculptor. He's pretty good at ice sculpting. Actually, I'll be honest, I didn't think that that sculptor really looked that much like Andy McDowell. Anyway, we hope you've liked this I don't know, slightly different episode of Time Lapse. It was a little different. We were, tr- we're trying new things. Yeah, we're trying to experiment. We like you guys, and we wanted to give you something special. And also, those are great movies. Remember that all of this is to promote the Money is Time campaign for Ars Paradoxica. That's our time travel audio. I'm sure you guys know this. But we're doing fundraising this month and next month to raise money to do more cool stuff. Yeah, you can donate to us at Patreon at patreon.com slash artistparadoxica. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Are we on Pinterest? No, we don't have enough visual content to be on Pinterest. Anyway, if, if it's, it's ours, Paradoxica, it's, it's probably us. Thanks for listening to Time Lapse, and have a great day that only lasts one time. Lapse. Stop it! <laughs>